and welcome back to another episode of the Who Dat Jedi podcast. I always say welcome back, like you just got done with the previous one and you just couldn't wait and you're listening to this one right now. I, I don't know. I always say welcome back. Uh, whatever. Anyway, as with me as always, I'm Aaron and with me as always is Dave and Fredo. Say hi, guys. Hi, guys. Hi. And uh, we have a very special guest with us tonight, making a second appearance on the Who Dat Jedi podcast. We have Michelle Hunter with us. Hello. And uh, I, I was reading your Twitter bio. I almost said super crime reporter, but it's suburban crime reporter for the Times Pick <laughs> here in New Orleans um, and Star Wars Uber fan um, and a Syracuse alum, huh? Syracuse and Jackson State. Well, I said Syracuse uh, because I I, I I went to the NCAA tournament at Syracuse when I was in college, and um, so I was in the um, what do you call the dome? Carrier dome. Yeah, yeah. So the carrier dome. Yeah, I went to Syracuse for graduate school, but I attended Jackson State University in Jackson, Mississippi, for undergrad. Right on. Right on. Um, so anyway, yeah. So uh, tonight's. Uh, um, subject, we're going to be talking Star Wars books and our, our favorites. Um, so we'll probably have a wide array of things. Um, if you, if you remember from our previous episode, Michelle is a, uh, she hates legends. She just can't stand it, which is, you know, people never wrote, <laughs> you know, instead of just making them legends, they should have burned them and just threw them out the window. Uh, big legends fan. So, uh, and uh, I promise to be kind of all over the place and maybe a little bit boring. I don't know. Dave's probably got a list a mile wide. We're only doing three, Dave. Um, but <laughs> only three? Uh oh. Well, we can have honorable mentions if the if the conversation's <laughs> all good. Um, so uh, I don't know where things went. There we go. Um, so okay, but before we get going, um, how's everybody's week been? Been uh, been good? It's cold here. That's is absolutely freezing. Mardi Gras is not happening. No. Kind of happening, but yeah. Has anybody yeah. done a Star Wars house, the uh, Yardi Gras or a house float? Does anybody know? Has anyone seen one? I have not oh. seen one. I don't know. And I'm like, guess who's, guess what I'm going to do next year, you know? But uh, <laughs> um, I, I got to thinking you could actually kind of do one if you take, you know, the band. Uh, galactic and you could do kind of a turn of phrase on that with you know do kind of a star wars thing so you could link it with new orleans i just remember i was marching in the uh, st patrick's day parade when i lived in uh nebraska it was in omaha nebraska and it was a big uh st patrick's day parade and the 501st was part of that St. Patrick's Day parade. Oh, yeah. you know, Any time that we could just, you know, be in a parade and just do something that was kind of fun. I'll never forget marching down downtown Omaha and this little old lady about the age of my grandma dressed head to toe in green looks at us. She goes, what the hell does this have to do with Ireland? <laughs> and I was just behind my stormtrooper helmet going, I, yeah, I'm with you, lady. I don't know. So that'd be my fear is that with Mardi Gras, it's like, you know try to decorate i get all dude up with star wars stuff on my house then somebody comes up and goes what does my have to do with mardi gras but anyway no they would love it what does a shark have to do with mardi gras but there's a fantastic shark house the dinos are cool yeah what do dinosaurs have to do with mardi gras again it's 
that's one of the things. That's one of the wonderful things about all the floats that you see. It's that they but they take on a theme and they express that theme, and some do it towards beauty and some do it towards humor. But as long as you do it right, you know, people people latch on to like, okay, that's that's awesome. Now, if you go to if you go down St. Charles and you go to the um, the dinos and the circus house on the other side, on the river side of St. Charles, there is the Mystic Crew of Unicorns, <laughs> and it is ju- it's just awesome and kind of demented and yeah. So make sure you see the Unicorn House. Um, have you guys seen any of the house floats yet? A handful. Which ones no, have you no. seen, Michelle? Mm-hmm. I was I drove down St. Charles. The dinosaur house has so much traffic. Um, I, thankfully, I was going in the opposite direction, but it's the dinosaur house is right there near. I think I think it's like I think it's a circus house, and then a house with bees. Um, so there are a couple of them right in the same block, like right there between Nashville and State. Yeah, and they're all like kind of uh, done by Kern Studios too. So oh yeah, yeah, it's kind of cool. You get some of the the big things there. And yeah, driving down St. Charles, Brittany and I did that on uh, Sunday, and that was like mistake number one. So (laughs) come from either the river or from, you know, the lake. Don't drive down St. Charles if you're, you know, on a weekend anyway. But um, guys, you've seen, have you seen any of them yet? Dave's got one. Yeah. We uh, we have have a Star Wars house? Not a Star Wars house. Yeah, it's underwater theme. So, yeah, so we have the whole, and it's uh, Pensacola Beach inspired. Um, I think the, uh, I think the theme of the sub crew was staycation, you know, a play on the old Go-Go's song. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So we did a staycation. We're doing a staycation in Pensacola. That's cute. I need to see it. I I have to send y'all pictures. Fredo, you seen any of them yet? Uh, so I think the castle one. Uh, so I was driving to a, um, down St. Charles, and that, that's kind of what it dawned on me. Uh oh, <laughs> yeah, we're gonna get because there was a big old group in front of it just taking photos. It looked like they were being led by a tour guide, and I just went, "Okay, this is gonna get bigger than I thought, than I think anybody realized it was gonna get." Yeah. And, uh, but no, I've, I haven't had a chance to just kind of walk around because it's been busy. So, But I'm hoping maybe I can do it sometime before the weekend because I'm just afraid that come Saturday, everybody's going to be out and about trying to catch as many of them. Thing is, it's not going to be as nice as it was this weekend. Yeah, that's true. I mean, we're down there, and like I said, I think about 99% of who was down there were tourists. Um, so, um, yeah, but... Uh, Anyway, so yeah, just be careful. Don't drive down St. Charles. Um, find find alternate routes. But or play uh, hooky during workday. Yeah, well, you could do that as well. Could do that as well. Um, you know. Uh, all right. Well, hey, let's get our brain wrapped around some Star Wars stuff, and let's dive into trivia here. And um, Fredo, I'm going to make you go first. And. Okay. Um, Remember, Make up for last week? Yeah. What, what, what question did you have last week? Uh, oh. Do you remember? Was it Jabba the Hutt? It was some impossible. Or no, you had no, an no, easy no, one. No, no, no. It was Jabba the Hutt. Yeah, you had an easy one. Um, remember, uh, and Michelle, just as a reminder, this is episodes one through six. None of the sequels exist yet. Um, none of the uh, 
Disney acquisitions. So just one through six. So Fredo, who notes fear will keep the local systems in line? Fear of the space station. Uh, I believe that'd be Grand Moff Tarkin. It is Grand Moff Tarkin, which for about a year or two of my life, year I thought it was Grand Ma Tarkin. Grandma Tarkin. Grandma Tarkin. Look, Grandma Tarkin probably had a Grandma Tarkin. (laughs) By the way, I don't know if that book's on anybody's list, but that's another tough one that I tried to get through. But uh, we won't uh, won't talk about that. Um, I I smell a sitcom though. Grandma and Grandma Tarkin getting into adventures, or or just the Tarkins. So it'd be like the Waltons, you know. Uh, all right, so Dave, over to you. What rebel leader announces that the shuttle Tidarium it was stolen by the Alliance? I want to think you've had this one. What rebel leader announces that the shuttle Tidarium was stolen by the Alliance? Goodness. Uh... Bonus points if you can get the first name. Oh, I know. I think I got this one one time. Oh my gosh! Is it is it Crix and Aideen? Oh, you even got the first oh, name. Wow. Bonus points! <laughs> ding 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 ding. I won't ask if you said Nadine or Maydine. I just won't ask because um, I want you to feel good about yourself. Uh, so, before you proceed, Aaron, just to let you know, there is a, a Mandalorian house in the Marini. Woo! The Mandalorian. Uh, it's on Twitter. I'll retweet it so you can share it. There we go. All right. We're all going to have to go together. And uh, by the way, yeah, I, I sent uh, in our Twitter group the honest trailers for The Mandalorian. Season two. Season yes. two. <laughs> that, was, that was good. Oh, God. Uh, uh, all right, Michelle, it's up to you I now. I need a softball. <laughs> I, see, my rule is always go with the first one that I see. And so I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm going to do that. And it goes right <laughs> along with what you just requested. What color is the blade of the lightsaber Obi-Wan wields in his last duel? Oh, oh excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> I've been drinking, so please. Um, I'm going to get this wrong. I know I am. Blue? That is correct. It is blue. Oh, <laughs> Thank God. I t- Yes, I take a big sip now. And uh, so uh, up to me now. All right. First one I see, what planet does Yoda head for after Chancellor Palpatine is granted emergency powers? Well, he heads for uh, Dagobah, right? Right? No. What? No. He goes he heads... to Camino. Yeah, to uh, Camino. discover what the cloners have done. That's why he shows yep. up with the clone army and Geonosis. Oh, oh two, I was two. in episode three. Yeah, it's episode two. When Jar Jar, you know, announces that All they right. should. Yeah, I got that it. totally wrong. I was, okay, so I was in episode three. I'm still scarred by that movie, apparently. So, uh, <laughs> by the way, it was nice to be oh, having some. It was nice to have somebody on have my side on Twitter. You know, when I, that uh, my my comment about Obi Wan and Anakin's lightsaber duel in episode three, uh, Tim Ruppert was like, you know, all on my side. So. Wait, vindicated. you have to rehash that. I mean, I hate to take up your time, but what was your argument? Oh, I think it's crap. Oh, the, the lightsaber duel? Yeah, I think it's the worst one of the saga. 
And I put it in my top three, so. Yeah. You know, the problem was that we had been expecting so much, and the only good one we got was out of the first movie. So by the time you get to the third movie, your level is so low, almost anything looks great. I think we all thought that third movie was fantastic based off of the previous two. So everything like, looks great upon initial viewing, but I, I bet if I went back today, I might agree with you. But I, you know. It- it was. It, it just seemed like it was. Uh, well, we don't have to rehash it. You can just listen to last week's episode. Uh, I, I <laughs> you will. can hear my rant. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I just, I just didn't like it. No. Um, so, anywho, all right. Well, there, there we go. Trivia, and I, I lost. I lost because um, I didn't pay attention. But you can tell I don't cheat on these. So, all right. Well, Fredo, what, what kind of news do we got for? Uh, just a couple tonight. of bits of news. Uh, first things first, and maybe relevant for tonight, uh, Claudia Gray's new book, Into the Dark, which is the next in the High Republic series, was released today. Uh, for It's one of the first of the young adult novels that's being released. Uh, the premise, so to speak, is a uh, novel features Padawan Grief Silas, whose ship is knocked out of hyperspace, forcing him to take shelter in a mysterious abandoned space station. Now, Claudia Gray's already like a veteran of Star Wars novels. She's written a number of them. And, you know, she and uh, the rest of the team that got together to make, uh, to write the books on the High Republic kind of picked this out and this is the next one on the list. Which, by the way, uh, I know we didn't get a chance to mention it, but both Light of the Jedi and A Test of Courage the first two books that came out last month were both one and three in the New York Times bestsellers list when they got released. And I think Light of the Jedi is still in the top 10. So, so far so good for Star Wars uh, uh, and books in terms of uh, how they're hitting with the audience. Now, I will, I will say that uh, I, I do want to point out just real quick, and I don't think we have this on the list, but uh, uh, Star Wars now has a, um, uh, on their YouTube channel has a high Republic um, mm-hmm. show and mm-hmm. star Wars fans are proving themselves to be awful once again, because uh, yeah. the, the host of the show is getting lamb blasted and attacked and just by awful people on Twitter because star Wars had the audacity of putting an African-American woman as the host of this show. Because apparently Star Wars is just for white men. So if if that's something you think, then you just need to turn off this podcast and go away. Um, yeah, it's no, just, they, uh, they're not going to like us. No, I mean, that's just it. Ugh. <laughs> I I don't I just I don't I don't get it. Every time you think, hey, we're in 2021, then you're like, oh God, <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, it, it things just uh, I don't get it. So well, Star Wars fans, thing- be better. You know, come on. The one thing I'll say is the amount of support that she got, not just from others within the Star Wars community, but Star Wars and Lucasfilms itself was encouraging. There was a clear cut. No, we're not replacing her. No, this does not matter. No, we let her, we stand by her at all times. So it shows that uh, maybe in some kind of way after some of the um, campaigns that have happened in years past, uh, companies are getting wise to now, you know, when whenever there's some sort of campaign to uh, delegitimize de- people involved in media, particularly 
people, black, indigenous people of color, you know, well, yeah, in the media. It, they're not going to stand for it. Well, it's nice to see them finally, uh, you know, after what went down with Kelly Marie Tran and John Boyega and, you know, um, even which, Daisy Ridley. Which in some ways people were, yeah, you, some it, people were quick to throw that out right back at them, but that those are, those are mistakes made in the moment. They're learning from them, and I'm just glad that they're able to stick by her. Yeah. I mean, then, and actually, and I watched the show and it was enjoyable. And, you know, she does a great job. It's just, yeah. So, yeah, if you call yourself a Star Wars fan, you think that, then you're not a Star Wars fan. You missed the point of Star Wars. Um, so, anyway, sorry, off my soapbox, unless anybody else <laughs> wants to join me on the soapbox. No, I'll join you. It's such a disingenuous argument. This is because, oh, well, you know, we shouldn't cast people according to race or gender. But then you complain when it's not a white male. And so, like, well, which is it? You know? And it's just, come on. It, I, we've probably given it more than enough time to do it. It's just, it's so stupid. Yep. It is. It is. So getting us off of that into something a bit more uh, lighthearted and fun, uh, Eddie Izzard confirmed that he's spoken to Ewan McGregor. And... Ewan McGregor stated that Obi-Wan Kenobi will start filming this spring. You heard it here, folks. Eddie Izzard is going to be in the Obi-Wan series. <laughs> I was going to ask. I was... <laughs> uh, look, I want it to be because I think whether he's playing himself or herself, uh, just forgive me, uh, uh, or playing an alien or character or Sim CGI. Look, dude's talented and funny. I saw him at a show last time he was at the Sanger killed it so but no apparently uh, uh he was doing uh some sort of uh they were having some sort of discussion uh over a campaign to uh uh f- to donate towards uh, a cause and so you and mcgregor started talking about saying yeah it's gonna be shot this spring it's gonna be shot exclusively in la they will use the stagecraft aka the volume that they use in the mandalorian uh he actually, uh, Eddie Isser did tweet a clip where he discusses uh, uh, all these rumors. So, uh, so I'll I'll share that with you, Dave, so you can share with everybody. But no, it's so it's coming along now. I don't think we can expect this series till next year at the earliest. So, spring twenty twenty two. Usually, it seems like that's kind of the way. Plus, with Book of Boba Fett coming Christmas, you got to figure they may even push it back towards. Memorial Day, maybe, you know, before we get it. Hey, I don't expect all of it all at once. You know, just the slow trickle of Star Wars is just fine by me. It'll give us something to talk about for a while. And meanwhile, uh, you know, the uh, Andor is using actually traditional sets, and they're not doing the volume. It looks like it looks like they're no. actually building building a town. So. I mean, they're, they're different, 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 uh, studios. Yeah. I, wonder, I, I just wonder if that's a director's, uh, of course. Uh, yeah. I, I just wonder if that's the director's or the, you know, preference, you know, or, you know, of course I'm just assuming that Lucasfilm is like going, thou shalt use the volume, but I don't know. But and it makes me wonder because Obi, if you would have thought, would have told me that I would have thought it'd been in reverse given that you're expecting and or, to be a multiple series TV show, multiple season TV show, uh, whereas Obi Wan Kenobi is only six episodes. 
So if you're going to throw the build whole sets kind of thing, you might have done it for the thing. You're only going to film one that you want it to be in uh, state, you know, movie quality uh, film, you know, process. Uh, but no, they're doing it the other way. By the way, I was just thinking, releasing Obi-Wan Kenobi on next year, on May 25th, which is the 45th anniversary of Star Wars, any hope, might be the way they go to ce- to celebrate the the anniversary. The crack was Well, we still just don't have a lot of information about the series. I know that we've talked about uh, Hayden Christensen being on the show and, and, you know, what that might mean. Um, But we, you know, I guess information will continue to trickle out. Is that it? Is that all we got for the news? Is and that's it for news. Week? Like I said, it's a very light week this week. Well, Probably for the best. Yeah, that's all right. That's all right. So sometimes no news is good news. You know, there's less controversy mm-hmm. in the world. Let's <laughs> um, chance for uh, to rant. That, that's right. Get off. Get off my lawn. Um, so yeah. So like I said, tonight's discussion, we we're talking about our three. Or you know, I said three, but you know, I've chosen three. If I have to choose more, I'll look at my bookshelf over here. But um uh, favorite star wars books we haven't really delved into uh star wars books on this podcast um but uh i you know it, this is this is going to be kind of interesting to hear what uh what everybody's thoughts are on this um and i i have to say this was kind of this, this is a kind of tough one for me um because um aaron and reading is is, is kind of an interesting um uh, I can read, by the way, but it's kind of an interesting um, task, shall I say, because um, I am sitting here in a room full of Star Wars stuff, but just because it's a Star Wars book doesn't mean that I'm instantly wanting to read it. Um, I'm also the kind of person that if Dave, if you were to come to me and say, Aaron, this is the greatest book ever, you got to read it, I'm probably not going to read it unless I have some vested interest in it. I'm just, I'm just, it's like, I'm the picky eater of, of books. I generally like nonfiction. Um, I've had a, I'm, I've had a big problem with a lot of, uh, Star Wars novels, novels because, um, because it's, it's like within the Star Wars universe, but not the Star Wars characters I know. So it's like, you know what I mean? So it's just this disconnect. And so it's always been sometimes tough to, to, to latch on to. That's why, if anything, I'm a little tentative of the High Republic stuff, just because, again, it's just, will it be Star Wars? You know what I mean? Um, so, um, and a lot of the Legend stuff, you know, was kind of that way, but it actually, because they latched on to some of the, you know, original trilogy characters, that helped um, me enjoy some of that stuff. But anyway, um, like I said, I just wanted to throw that out there. So if I start sounding get off my lawn, you know, and kind of down on things, that's that's what it is. I mean, like I said, especially I'm more of a nonfiction reader. So, you know, even if it was the greatest story ever told or anything on, you know, in the Star Wars book, I probably it probably might sit on my shelf for a while. But anyway. And well, and we all we mentioned her, I think, up front that Michelle is a is a big legends fan. Huge. Yeah, so I I thought it would be good to have her on to kind of balance myself because I 
I have not read a single drop of Legends, and I've only read the new stuff. Well, so then, since I, since I'm controlling the soundboard, I am going to start first, and it is going <laughs> to be from the Legends category. But this one, I actually did enjoy it very, very, very much, um, I, and I still remember reading it. But it is um, by Kevin J. Anderson, or it was edited by Anderson. Sorry, it was, but it's a bunch of short stories. It's Tales from Jabba's Palace. Oh yeah, and I mean, this was this was from a certain point of view before a certain point of view was a thing, right? Um, and I mean, because you've got, there's a story in here of Boba Fett. Yeah, this is when I learned what the Bomar monks are. Um, it, there's a story about, uh, like I said, it's several different authors. It was all edited by Kevin Anderson, who did a lot of the legend stuff, right, Michelle? Um, he did. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you have Jabba's chef, you know, that sort of stuff. So it, it put it within that, you know. It, it made it accessible. I could see my see myself in, you know, I, I knew what Jabba's Palace looked like and I saw these characters. And so hearing new stories about these things or even things I didn't see, it was it was just really, really enjoyable. Um, I don't know. Anybody else read this? I didn't read that one. I read the, the first one they put out, which was Tales from the Mos Eisley Cantina. Cantina. Yeah, I, I, I don't think I have that one, actually. But that was one I wanted to read. I got, you know, I, for the reason that you mentioned earlier, I kind of got halfway through the Cantina book and didn't pick up Jabba's Palace book because it didn't have the characters I was looking for. You know, the way you said there were characters that you had latched on to through the original trilogy. And that's, those are the stories you wanted to read. And I thought that they were fun, but I, you know, you kind of, I wanted to see stories of the big three. And so I read some of it, but I figured Jabba's Palace might be more of the same. So I have... The Cantina book, but I and I'm, it helped me. I, I think I stopped on uh, the story about the band. I forgot the name of the band. It's Figure and Dan and the Modal Nodes. Yes, yes, Figure and Dan. So there's a book. There's a there's a story about him in there. Um, and there's a story about Greedo in there. And, and um, if, if we can pause for a second, by because we we're just talking about Figure and Dan. Um, here's the other thing that drives me absolutely bonkers about Star Wars books is. Why can't we create names and write names that are like, I don't mind if they're new or anything, but make them phonetically easy to, I mean, and I, what I mean is don't put a bunch of apostrophes and, you know, I don't know. <laughs> it's Star, Star Wars names are extremely difficult to figure out what the heck they are. Am I, or am I just <laughs> get off my lawn right now? <laughs> some of them are, some of them aren't. So I know I've probably been mispronouncing things for years, but uh, yeah, that's like the ra the random apostrophe. I think it's just people are just like <laughs> I'm gonna put an apostrophe right there. Anyway, but no, my, like I said, I start off Tales from Java's Palace. Um, like I said, the cool I remember I, I, the one that still sticks. I said it before was the one about the Bomar monks. You know the spider thing that you see mm -hmm. when, when uh, Luke's coming into the, uh, or when R2 and 3PO are coming into Jabba's palace. I mean, they talk about how these monks, you know, um, remove, place their brains in this jar of basically formaldehyde and the spider just carries them around. It's like this ultimate state of enlightenment or something like that. And so it was just like, wow, I just thought that was a creepy spider thing in the background, but okay, there we go. So that's, that's my first entry. So, 
We'll toss it over to Michelle, our special guest. What's first on your list? Oh, you you got to go with the original and, and what started the Legends canon um, books, which is going to be Heir to the Empire by Timothy Zahn. It was the first book that I picked up in the Star Wars. Like, like I think I, I talked about this the last time. I was 12 or 13, and at that point, there's just been no Star Wars in a while. I think it was like 1991 or 92 when I discovered the books, and I think it was first released in 91. And and Zahn had a way of writing so that it sounded like the movies. It, you When you were reading it, you thought this could be a movie, the way everyone spoke, the way Han spoke, the way Leia spoke, the way Luke spoke, the way he wrote the action, the way he wrote the um, fight scenes, uh, the dog fighting and um, with the ships. It just, it sounded exactly like the movie. And you cannot say that about all the Star Wars authors. Like when you're reading it, it reads, you know, I'm not going to denigrate any authors. I'm not going to say who, but it just, it, sometimes it just doesn't read like it's part of the Star Wars universe. You can't hear the dialogue in your head as if you're watching the movie and watching it. And Timothy Zahn has always been true to that. And the popularity of that book and that trilogy, not only did it create Grand Admiral Thrawn, who was the character that he was jettisoned in the legends, but then they brought him back to the new stuff. He, you know, he created Mara Jade, who was another great character who one hopes they'll bring in, although I don't know how since they've desecrated Luke's character completely with the new movies. But, you know, he created all these great characters and it was such a great book. And, and if you want to hear that old voice and those old stories, Heir to the Empire is a great place to start. And it's great characterizations, great action. And I just, I loved that trilogy and, and that book, you, you kind of have to put it up there. So how did you like uh, Thrawn and Rebels? You're going to laugh. I have not seen him in Rebels. Okay. So uh, I'm not going to laugh, but uh, it would be interesting for you to, to, to watch the, the season or two that he's in um, just to see how it, how it jives with you. But then of course it might be one of those things. I'm sure if he's your favorite character or anything like that, you don't want it ruined for you. I wondered um, what the characterization would be like compared to what he's like in the books. Cause in the books, he's absolutely chilling. Um, I, th I, th I think they capture him pretty well. Um, I mean, I've, I haven't read the entire Zahn trilogy. I read heir to the empire. Um, and from what, that description and what was in rebels seemed to jive with me, but it's, but you know, I'm the passive listener, right? Where it's like, yeah, that's a good, that's a good remake of peaceful, easy feeling. And you're in the big Eagles fan is like going, no, it sucked. Um, but how about, uh, what'd you think in the Mandalorian when Ahsoka said, where's grand Admiral Thrawn? Did you get giddy? Okay. I haven't gotten to the second season. I've watched the first season of Mandalorian. Did I just spoil something then? I the reason I have not gotten to the second season yet, and and you know, it's part of my get healthy for New Year's, and so I'm taking it. I, the only way I can I'm allowed to watch Mandalorian episodes is if I'm working out. So, <laughs> so I just I, I just totally spoiled that out. for you. I just totally mm -hmm. spoiled. I just totally no, spoiled no, that so, for you. So so here's the thing. I already know that I, things have. I already know like who makes the big guest appearance at the end of it. There's no way you can avoid knowing any of that. So. I already know those things have occurred and I'll allow myself to get to that point in the story when I work out and, you know, when I've lost, you know, 80 or hundred pounds, uh, <laughs> I'll turn my camera on and you can see what the dedication got me. Well, I'm, I'm glad I didn't ruin Christmas for you then. Okay. Uh, <laughs> 
Dave, what, what's, <laughs> what, what's on what's on your list before I spoil anything else for Michelle? No, you're all no, no, you're all good. You didn't let me tell you, you not. You guys are not spoiling anything for me. I you cannot live in this world and not know what has happened online. If it's going to be on Twitter, it's going to be on um, Facebook, it's going to be on like I'm, I'm always on Den of Geek and Screen Rant and all these places. So I mean, by now you I've seen it like a hundred times. So it's all gotcha. good. I there's not even an easy way to transition to this, but um, I'll go straight into my first entry here. Um, I'm gonna go with uh, a book that I've read to my kids, um, which is the five minute Star Wars stories. Oh, and uh, you know, there's nothing in there that really um, like kind of jumps out at you, it's basically these these stories are very shortened tales that come from uh all i i think like the first seven films in the saga uh is how far it it, it got when we purchased the book um and and so it was you know it wasn't the entire movie condensed into five minutes but it was you know a particular story out of the movie and what was really cool about what the way that they put it together was that the uh, stories chosen uh, were not spoilery. Um, so there was no I am your father or nothing like that in, in, in any of those stories. So you could read them together with your kids, even if they hadn't seen any of the movies yet, and they wouldn't be like ruined um, <laughs> for the movies. So I guess like that actually does sort of tie in with what we were just talking about, about being spoiled. Um, and that's like one of my favorite aspects to these stories. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, obviously it's just, it's sentimental why I would include those. It's something I was able to share with my kids um, and uh, just have a lot of warm fuzzies attached to those stories. And if somebody's, you know, if there are any parents who are listening and they're looking for ideas, there's a lot of children's books uh, in Star Wars. I mean, a lot. Um, but the five-minute Star Wars stories are great because, like I said, they don't spoil anything, and you're you're in and out in five minutes, and uh, off you go. The the title of it reminded me of um, I think I want to think it was A and E, but anyway, some some channel had what they called it was the one minute operas and what they would do is in 60 seconds they would just go down the you know synopsis of or you know a plot of uh, of an opera and they would have a tally at the bottom of how many infidelities how many killings how many you know all the things that happened and then you know it was just something to fill in between shows it was I, I wish i could find it i've been searching for it on youtube so if anybody on twitter land can uh, find me the one minute operas um yeah let me know because that was fun but five minute star wars stories right on <laughs> dave i have the do you remember the little golden books that have oh yeah fine i have the star wars little golden books they're not for my children they're for me <laughs> Actually, in my case down here, I have a Star Wars pop-up book, and I've got, I think it's the Return of the Jedi little golden book, maybe. I don't know. Anyway. Um, Fredo, what's next? What's first on your list? Well, first of all, it's actually I'm going to you know, go with uh, Michelle. 
is going to be the Sun trilogy, but I'm going to pick the last book, The Last Command. Ah. So, I mean, because, yeah, obviously, Heir to the Empire is awesome, and I still got vivid memories of picking it up from the uh, Jefferson Parish Public School Library, Public Library, and just reading it one summer. Uh, but I went with Last Command primarily because I love the way that um, San brings all the threads of the stories together because it does. I mean, he that's one knack that he has is he manages to copy the rhythm of a Star Wars movie and throughout the books so that third book, okay, you're supposed to get the massive battle at the end. It's where the heroes and villains confront each other. I, I, you know, all of that's in there. By the way, quick, quick side note. The audiobooks. So, Heir to the Empire's audiobook was read by Dennis Lawson. And guess who read the audiobooks for the next two books? Was it Anthony Daniels? That's correct, Anthony Daniels. I did, so I have, did, I did have the audiobooks. Yeah, I didn't know that. I was like, when I was looking back for uh, through the list, I was like, oh, hey, wow, I didn't realize they had done it, but that's awesome. Uh, so, yeah, no, uh, for all the reasons Michelle kind of gave, I'm not going to repeat them. I mean, it's impossible to state just how big of a debt the Star Wars fandom has to that trilogy. I don't. I don't think we get anywhere near all the stuff we've gotten without it. But yeah, mm -hmm. it's awesome. And I did. Okay, so I've read the books and I've seen Rebels. It's a pretty good throng. Is it? Put in Rebels. Yeah, it's it's really close. Like obviously there's some minor differences, but between the voice, the character, the voice actor they got to voice him, he does it so cold he, he latches on the idea that he's a cold calculating always thinking always a step ahead uh threat and i love that and have, the fact that he used art well. to he like studied a, a, a people's art to figure out how to conquer them like yeah, just... which is which they bring which are bringing that into in uh, yeah. rebels mm -hmm. with the calicori well and and sabine wren's art yeah he's, yeah he's got stuff on that yeah um now I, I do want to say uh, to because um, I'm, I'm a musician I you know have my uh, my bachelor's degree is in music education and and musicians can be some of the most snobbish people me included um, it's like it, it's like almost like thou shalt listen to quote unquote quality music you know um, whereas sometimes I just like to listen to something that makes me feel good or makes me tap my foot. You know, it's like Louis Armstrong said, if it makes you tap your toe, you know, then it's good music. Don't worry about it. Books are kind of, kind of the same way. There's people and cause the next book, the book I'm going to bring up now, um, is not, uh, it, it's, I, I think it gets kind of panned. Um, a lot of people kind of are down on it. Um, but it was enjoyable to me. And that was, um, shadows of the empire. Yeah. Uh, and the reason why the reason why I dug into this, and I told, I, like I said, I prefaced all this at the beginning talking about Aaron and how I pick things to read. Um, at this point, when it was this release, about ninety seven ish, right? Um, ninety was right around there. It was after I was married. So, um, but I was still in the thing I didn't like about Legends, um, at least it was the expanded universe at that time was that it happened outside of the bookends of a new hope and um return of the jedi right a lot of it a lot of it did and so that was tough for me to to latch on to but shadows of the empire happens in between empire and jedi and it's this big gaping hole 
that offered so many possibilities for, you know, like, again, how did Leia get the, uh, you know, the bounty hunter outfit? What, you know, how did they come up with the plan to save Han? What happened? Because we know there's like a year between Empire and Jedi and all these things can happen. And I just, I just dug the story that they told, you know, none of it is really used anymore. And again, I could give a crap about Canon, by the way, everybody. Um, but, uh, it's just kind of, it was a fun story. Like I said, filling in that gap of empire to Jedi. So, um, and it was written by Steve Perry, who apparently wasn't with journey at the time. Um, <laughs> oh, different Steve Perry. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, shadows of the empire. Anybody, anybody read it? I have. Did you like it? Um, I, I did. I did. And I can't even remember why people were pissy about it. I knew that it was part of this big media push. There was a video game. There was a comic book. I, I enjoyed it for the most part. I What what I think people, what, was it that they didn't like the the hand, the Han substitute? Dash Rendar, probably. Yeah. I, th- I think a lot of people didn't like the um, the the main baddie, she, Prince Shizor, who uh, actually ends up coming into the Clone Wars as part of, or at least his, um, his, his, uh, uh, crime syndicate but anyway um yeah there was he was trying to seduce leia and stuff like this it got kind of i don't know how you want to say it, um it, it was probably the most sexual that star wars probably ever got um but uh that's what we should have done dramatic readings of, <laughs> of each one of those um, but uh but no you know so but i think again it was I, I I don't know. People just must have found a goofy or something. So, if we ever launch a Patreon, that's what we'll do. We'll have dramatic readings of, uh, <laughs> of these books. Whose turn I is think, it? I think it's Michelle's turn. Right? Yeah, it's Michelle. Yeah, I was I was going to start reading a passage. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I, was, I was hoping I'd well, turn to I have one. a tie for two. Um, the Truce at Bakura um was a book i think it when did it come out 93 it looks like this is when it came out and it literally takes place a couple of days after return of the jedi there's you know i think it opens with luke you know thinking about you know as he burns his dad and everything that's just happened and you get princess leia sort of pondering the fact that vader was her father and then they have to go off and um you know there's a completely new crisis with some aliens at a and on a planet who is saying look if there's no empire hey republic come help us like what the hell but it's it was interesting to see the characters from that movie like everything that happened in return of the jedi and you thought well, man all these big things have happened Where, where's everybody's head and that was a book that picked it right up right after the end of return of the jedi and i i really enjoyed that book a lot um you know you still get luke who is He's, you know, even though he's wearing the all black in Return of the Jedi, he still doesn't know what the heck he's doing. And he admits it several times in that book. And um, I think, I, can't, I remember that, I believe that it, there was a, a forced ghost visitation. I can't remember if it was Vader or Obi-Wan came back and, and, and met with Luke one more time in that book. Um, but I really enjoyed the Truce of Ikura, And it ties for me with another book called Children of the Jedi which um, was kind of a weird one in the middle. It's where Luke Skywalker and a couple of other uh, people, one of them is one of his Jedi students and they get drafted aboard what is 
supposed to be some weapon, another one of those um, empire weapons, but it's like huge. It's like way bigger than the Death Star. It's like it's like the size of an, a huge, it looks like a big asteroid and they bring them on and indoctrinate them into stormtrooper. It's like, it's a weird story, but it's also the first time that Luke Skywalker gets a girlfriend. <laughs> and when you're, you know, you're 13, 14, 15, you're like, oh, but he, he meets a woman who sacrificed herself back in um, the early days of the empire to kind of keep this weapon uh, out of the hands uh, of the emperor, like she, the way she sacrifices herself, she becomes a force ghost in this weapon and keeps it from activating. And then the other thing you see there is um, an introduction of what it was like to be a child of the Jedi. There's um, a planet where apparently some of the children of the Jedi hid during the purge and, and she she used to be one of them. And so it, you, you got a lot of things, like it, it was kind of sort of building out backstory of what it was like to be a Jedi. I just really enjoyed that book. I think a lot of people hated on that book too, but those two, Children of the Jedi and Teresa Bakura are my ties for two. Who, who wrote those two? I'm sorry, who said it? Children of the Jedi was Barbara Hambly, and it was part of a, of a trilogy that Kevin J. Anderson also wrote. And then, hold on, you let me, Truce Epicura, Kathy Tires. Right on. Dave, what's yours? My second choice is Ahsoka, uh, which was a young adult novel, actually. Um, written by uh, E.K. Johnston. Um, and uh, I just really enjoyed it. You know, it's... Um, I don't... I wouldn't say that I was um, ever really in love with this character the way that probably the next generation would have been uh, below us, you know, because we're all old farts on this show. Um, the... Um, you know, people who grew up with the Clone Wars and, and grew up with Ahsoka have so much more of a personal attachment with that character. Um, and, you know, for the, for their sakes, I love that this novel was written. Um, but for me personally, it really helped flesh her out a lot. And I, I grew to understand um, who she was. And... Um, for people who haven't read it, it basically just sort of details uh, her life after the Clone Wars, uh, the, the you know the following five years ish, I think, after the Clone Wars, um, where she's basically hiding out, uh, and but but keeps repeatedly getting drawn into conflicts and has to sort of reconcile her own personal safety with doing the right thing and helping the people around her uh, who very clearly need help. And I think like one of the things that Filoni did that was really great was in the final se season of Clone Wars, uh, which came out last spring, he kind of bridged that gap from the previous end of Clone Wars uh, to this version of Ahsoka that we see um, who's kind of this do-gooder and can't help herself. Uh, I have to help these people who are in a bad way. And you see that play out uh, over the final season of, 
of Clone Wars. And I, I liked that rhyming a lot. You know, what bothered me, however, was that he one of my favorite parts of that book were the little vignettes, you know, where the flashbacks to, you know, during the Clone Wars and um, they and they talk about, you know, how, you know, she and Rex basically faked their deaths, you know, in the in the book. And they kind of it was a certain point of view ish, you know, in the last episode of the Clone Wars and. I dug what they did in Clone Wars, but it, it's one of those things where um, it just kind of bummed me out that they 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 changed that because that was a really neat moment in that book. Yeah, yeah, the, those vignettes are great. Um, and actually, it's just, the best part of the book. <laughs> <laughs> well, I enjoyed them a lot, but I also enjoyed the story. And like, you know, if I'm honest, I appreciated the version of I'm going to help others who need it that's told in this book more yeah. than I appreciated Filoni's version of that story. But, uh, but I did appreciate the fact that they sort of connected and rhymed with one another. And, uh, and you know, young adult, uh, can't wait to share it with my oldest. Um, I think she'll really enjoy it. And uh, yeah, I like it. Cool. Fredo. It's next on your list. Uh, for next on my list, I'm, Probably gonna cheat a little. Uh, I'm gonna go, yeah, no, just slightly, just slightly. I'm actually gonna go with the uh, well, it wasn't called a novelization back then, but it's a novelization of episode four when it was released. It was Star Wars from the Adventures of Luke Skywalker, all right. So, uh, Dean Foster, you, you and I are going together here because that was my next one. So, okay, you go yeah, first. I'm glad, I'm glad that I mentioned it because I still remember. I mean, I was a little kid. I, I, that's the only book that I had back then. And uh, obviously, I mean, I think that was the first time that I read about Big Starklighter. You know, the idea of Tashi Station, of Luke having friends, all this stuff that everybody says they saw in the movies uh, at one point or another before the final cut was released. Uh, it was all in the novelization. And uh, it was just, it expanded so much of what you see in the movie because, I mean, realistically, we tend you know, we know that the movie's a lean, tight kind of process where you go from one thing to another, but the novelization expands and builds upon everything, all the, what the characters are feeling, what's going through their minds, et cetera, et cetera. So I, and that was, I, I read that about a hundred times between ages seven and nine. And so. that, was, that was the coolest thing. That's why it was on my list too, is that I love how they get inside Vader's head. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's mm -hmm. like that um, scene in the Imperial briefing room, you know, and and Madi and Tarkin are talking and they're in Vader's head. And he's like, OK, these guys are useful now, he said, but eventually they're going to have to be just wasted, just done away with, you know. So they're talking about it's it's showing Vader's power struggle, you know, and just mm -hmm. or power lust. Um, and uh that was I, that's what I loved about it was that it it got into Vader's head, which you really you don't don't, you, you don't get in the movie. You just you just assume that this is bad guy, but you're seeing how corrupt and power hungry he is. And here's what's what's funny is that you can totally, if you read it as an article of in 1977, 78, whenever it came out, you can clearly tell none of the stuff that will come after is even hinted at here. Because it doesn't exist, you know. None of the stuff. I mean, there's stuff mentioning about Luke's dad and whatnot, but 
the connection between Luke's dad and Darth Vader did not exist in Alan Dean Foster's mind because it literally did not exist at that point in, in time. As a an aside, did anybody read the book that was written after um, after Star Wars came out? I think it was written nineteen seventy eight. Splinter of the Mind's Eye. Splinter of the Mind's Eye, which totally went off, <laughs> like completely off course, because obviously they didn't know where the movies were headed. I I think don't Luke and Leia kiss in that book too, and there's like some implied romance in that book. <laughs> It's way much more Flash Gordon than it's, even uh, than even. It's than nothing that Shakespeare right. didn't write, you know. I'm, yeah. <laughs> um, but again, it's yeah. Go ahead. Well, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take uh, you know, like I said, we both. Uh, that's the one I was gonna choose was you know Star Wars, but also actually um, uh, the Return of the Jedi novelization um, was was pretty awesome as well. One of one of the best scenes in there is. Um, in the throne room where emperor and Luke first interact and the emperor's figuring out, um, he said, I'm trying to figure out who trained you. He said, I think there was this old Jedi master Yoda. Oh, okay. Yeah. He's reading Luke's mind. He's like, okay, yeah, it was Yoda. And he's like, is he still alive? And okay, he's dead, which now after seeing episode three, you know, it's like, that's actually a re even cooler scene because emperors, you know, only, you know, what, three, four, well, I, I guess he, he's about 20 years off of this, uh, you know, fight with Yoda thinking he did away with him. And he's like, all right, so he is dead. Uh, but anyway, I just, some of those things that they didn't, I, it's like, man, I wish they would have had that in, in the movie. Um, but the other thing that, that is special about this for me is that again, I'm, I'm not a very, like if my, I don't even come remotely close to the type of reader my wife is. She'll devour books. You know, for me, it's like I said, sometimes like doing homework. But this was one of the first books that I could not put down. The the original Star Wars uh, novelizations. I just couldn't put it down. And it wasn't just like watching the movie on on the pages. Like you said, Fredo, it was, uh, it was a lot deeper than that. And... Like I said, I just, I did not want to stop reading. And so it really helped motivate me to, you know, go and find other things that, you know, okay, maybe there are other things that would interest me, you know, to read. So, um, so yeah, that was, so I will dovetail on that. So yeah, uh, Michelle, what's, what's next on your list? My number three is Star by Star. I don't know if you guys ever read any parts of the New Jedi Order which had to do with an invasion of a race of aliens called the Yuuzhan Vong. And, and if you haven't, the best I can compare it to is if you ever saw the old G.I. Joe movie with Don Johnson and they go to the Cobra Lala or whatever it was, I can't remember, and they were totally against, uh, they, they had all of these natural weapons and things like that. The Yuuzhan Vong are the same way. They don't believe in machines and their starships are like living entities, but they're super violent. You know, they, uh, their whole thing is about embracing pain. And it's, I mean, they're just kind of a worst nightmare invasion. And that series, it was like 13, 14, 15 books about that invasion. And it was, it was bad. Like, you know, that was the one where that during that invasion, Chewbacca died and, um, you know, just didn't seem like they were going to get out. And Star by Star was somewhere in the middle. And you got 
Anakin, Anakin Solo, who is Han and Leia's youngest son. Yeah, Jan, uh, Jason and Jaina Solo, they were the twins and they were the older kids of Han and Leia. And they go on this mission into enemy territory where they're trying to track down something called the Voxen, which is this creature that apparently has just been hunting down Jedi and killing them. Like the Jedi just have no way to fight back. If it, one of these things corners you, you're dead. And so this team of kids and young Jedi essentially infiltrate uh, a Yuzon Vong starship and they're doing all this stuff. And Anakin comes into his own as a Jedi. But the other thing that was really shocking about the book was that Anakin Solo dies in this mission. Um, he and he, But he dies and he becomes one with the force. And they talk about how he was just basically glowing light as he's battling all of these different warriors. And that book kicked off his older brother, Jason Solo's descent into the dark side. And if you followed the books in the next big series, Jason falls to the dark side. He becomes a Sith Lord. You know, he kills his, uh, Luke Skywalker's wife and just all kinds of terribleness. But it starts with Star by Star. And it was, when I first read the book, I, I mean, you know, I'm not mushy by any shape or form, but my twin sister will tell you that when I read the line that Anakin Solo died, I put the book down, called her. She said, I cried on the phone when I read it. And then it took me about a week to pick it back up and finish the book. But it, it was a great book, um, a great end to a great hero. At, you know, I'll always be sad that in the new movies, they didn't honor Anakin Solo more, you know, they, there's been Solo, but he, to me, he doesn't come close to the characterization that Anakin Solo had. And I wish they had sort of honored that character more uh, than what they did with Ben. Ben's kind of, to me, hits more like Jason Solo, but I, I really liked that book. And I, I, I thought it was a, a high, a low high point of that particular series. So can I just go, I'll jump right in to say, because Vector Prime is on my list, and that's the first novel in the New Jedi Order, oh, yeah. which is famous for the fact that that's the book where Chewbacca dies. And I always remember picturing in my head as I'm reading, you know, that Chewbacca grabs Anakin Solo, throws him inside the Millennium Falcon, they take off as the Yusan Bong are literally dropping a moon onto this planet in which they are... Um, trying to rescue people. So it's just the last shot I got always is Chewy like roaring at the sky as this moon's coming face first to him. So uh, it was, and I think that, that that was in many ways, like we're looking now at uh, the High Republic that, uh, efforts. This is in many ways, the first big attempt by Star Wars books to do a big, massive across, because it was five hardcovers, 15 or so, um, paperbacks. They were branching off in a whole bunch of different areas. Now, if you read it all, you had a more... It was kind of like the MCU. If you watched every movie, you got to add the whole picture. But if you only mm -hmm. stuck to the, to the big five hardcover novels, you would still get the idea of kind of what went on. Uh, and it was it was on, like nothing they had done. That, particularly with that first book, I just can remember reading it all. Because it's clear, like, it was kind of a gauntlet being thrown and Star by Star picks up the next and then it just goes like that. And it's, they, they, they put the uh, our heroes through the ringer and that's, which I think that, that was their intent is to show you, nope, they're going to make mistakes, they're going to screw up just because they defeated the Sith doesn't mean that the Empire, 
doesn't mean that they also get to skate on uh, skate on by. So it was really well done. And it doesn't mean that anybody's safe. Mm -hmm. Dave, what you got next on your list? Um, my final choice is Master and Apprentice, which I have mentioned on the podcast a couple of times um, because I enjoyed it so much. And I think what I appreciate so much about that story is I think we all, we, we've all seen Phantom Menace and we've seen that relationship between Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon. And um, Qui-Gon really, um, you know, par partly thanks to Liam Neeson's performance, um, really made an impression on a lot of people as being sort of this ideal Jedi. Uh, and this book really dives into how fallible he, he truly is. Um, but it also redefines that relationship between the two of those Jedi in, in, in such a wonderful way. Like you think you understand these two and, and who they are and where they come from and why um, they, they're a little bit like oil and water in a way. Um, but this, this movie just adds so many layers to that and, and really um I couldn't have loved those characters more in the in terms of their portrayal in that movie. Um, I know that Obi-Wan, um, I think a lot of people thought, oh, I'd like more Obi-Wan. But, you know, uh, you and McGregor, sorry about my dog. Um, she, she totally disagrees with you, Dave. I guess so. <laughs> She's losing her crap. She's going, um, Phantom Menace sucks. What are you talking about that movie for? Um. Well, yeah. I mean, we've been on a Phantom Menace kick lately. We've been talking. Uh, we had our Phantom Menace discussion, and then we talked about lightsabers um, last week. So, uh, but yeah, I. It's just you know the between the two of them. I I thought their relationship on film was really kind of fun and interesting. And this and this book provided many more layers to that relationship. And you know, you may think, "Oh, I get it. I saw the movie," but you know, the book the book adds so much more depth. I was just gonna say, you could tell that it was it was a deep relationship, but you didn't know, you know, or, or close relationship, but you didn't. Yeah, I, 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 this is one that I has been on kind of on my my radar that I might want to read. Just yeah. Um, by the way, I have to interject real quick. Uh, this is on a total non-Star Wars, well, kind of Star Wars moment. But since you guys made me do my, I just flicked over to the tab that has Twitter open. Um, Elizabeth Olsen is really excited for fans to see a major WandaVision cameo that's on par with Luke Skywalker in The Mandalorian. Hmm. Dun, dun, dun. Who might that be? I don't know. Only so many options, and if we're talking about bringing somebody who wouldn't it's expect... going to be Ted Cruz talking about Thanos, or... <laughs> oh, no. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> uh, by the way, since since I was... Uh, with, let's get back to the Star Wars thing here, but uh, since I was, you know, Fredo and I had the same one, I do want to share this little story here, as I'm, like I said, looking at my books. I do have to say that um, The Prisoner of Azkaban was the first movie that I saw where I read the book first. And 
I finally experienced what my wife had experienced her whole life because she'd you know read these books, then a movie would come out, and she'd be just we'd leave the theater and she'd just be ticked. She's like, "This was different. This was different. This was different." And so you know, I so Harry Potter thing came on the scene, and you know, I saw the first movie, and I was like, and then uh, the second movie, I was like, you know what? I'll start reading the the books, and I and I totally enjoyed the books. And then Prisoner of Azkaban came out. And I was so mad because of the things they changed. Similar thing happened um, with episode three. I didn't read the book first, even though th- at that time, were they releasing the novel before the I think the they movies? were. The novel came out so, like a couple of days before the movie. So I, I, wouldn't, I didn't read it before the movie. So I saw the movie and then I go read the book. And that whole scene where they give the entire conversation between Yoda and ghost Qui-Gon or at least the spirit voice of Qui-Gon made me so mad after the fact that they cut that out and they just had Yoda go, Obi-Wan, I got to tell you about who I was just talking to. That would have been a moment that would have, I think it would have just been awesome to hear Liam Neeson's voice telling Yoda how to commune with the force. You know what I mean? And they cut that out and I was just so dang mad. Um, I don't know. I don't know if that hit anybody else, but uh, I, I did like the novelizations for the prequels probably a little bit better than I did the movies. Agreed. I will say mm-hmm. that. Yeah. I read the novelization for episode one and I was surprised uh in as much as okay you always understand the book is going to get into greater depths about stuff yeah you absolutely. can build connections because there's no time limit you you're literally the conversation between qui-gon and yoda you cut that you put that on the cutting room floor well the question is did it ever get filmed or was it just simply a book thing yeah, it probably never got filmed because, like, if you're gonna get Liam, I thought it, Neeson I back, thought I thought something was filmed because they do. They there was a deleted scene. I think, uh, man, so okay. Correct me if I'm wrong. We're gonna have to dive into the DVD now, but um, because you know Yoda's eyes open up, I think they did. I mean, it may have been a temp track over the top of it, but it's not like it would have been that difficult. Pay Liam Neeson a check to record some lines, you know, in a recording studio. He doesn't have to be on screen you know but i'm just like ugh, it just made me mad you know <laughs> but by god let's put padme combing her hair on the balcony you know so anyway um i digress <laughs> so did anybody have any like alternates or you know honorable mentions uh i'll go right quick before uh uh just to say actually no michelle go ahead no, no, no. Go ahead. You go ahead. Go ahead. No, because I was going to mention the Legacy of the Force series, which is the one where Jason Solo falls to the dark side. Oh, yeah. No, all that was awful. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's it's Terrible. awful because you can see it coming and you know, you know, because basically Jason spends, kid. Yeah, Jason spends the first two, three books blaming himself for the death of his kid brother. And somebody comes along and manipulates him, and he ends up being an even more horrific, horrible character than in some ways. And even Kylo Ren, I mean, uh, you know, you mentioned uh, Jason killing Mara Jade. In some ways, that that's the 
prelude to Kylo Ren killing Han. That was, you know, that was a moment. This was like when when I read that, I was just like, "What?" Well, so, I'm, I forget. And and that when who it, who was it? He was Lumia. Yeah, Lumia, who is from the comic books in the '80s, which mm -hmm. I, that was one of the things I did like was that her. I recognized her character from the uh, comics that were out, Star Wars comics in the '80s, and she appeared in those comics. Um, and it was it was fun to see her show up in in the novels. Um, I'll mention Jedi Search, which was a trilogy written by Kevin J. Anderson, and it was the first time that you saw another um, imperial weapon called the Sun Crusher, which was this spaceship, a tiny spaceship, not nowhere near the size of the Death Star, but it could implode planets just as easily. And then you got to meet uh, a future Jedi named Kip Duran, who I, I mean, the best way to describe him is like just some egotistical surfer guy who is completely full of himself and, and extremely powerful. And he would always clash with Luke Skywalker at the Jedi Academy any chance he got once he became a, a Jedi Master. And, and it was it's it was fun to see his entrance into the Star Wars universe. And and that particular um, series took place at the Jedi Academy. And um, you got to see where they created all of the insane um, killing machines that the Empire would come up with. I forget what it was called. Like, it was it was a like a station in between a bunch of black holes and the way to get there was to navigate all these black holes and this is where they held all the scientists that would come up with these mad weapons and it was absolutely hilarious like I loved Star Wars novels and my sister did not and so that I she liked Star Wars but she didn't like them the way that I did so I would read this I would stop and be like oh my god Rochelle can you believe this it's between this you have to take this really crazy path through black holes and my sister would look at me like I was insane um things that I would be very excited about in the Star Wars movies but I, I absolutely loved um Jedi Search and that particular Jedi Academy trilogy so mine that didn't make that well it's on my list but i chose these three but here's one dave for you is uh star wars and philosophy um oh yeah yeah and uh i think i loaned it to fredo yeah uh, i still i still got it on my table i'm reading it through it's one right. of six books i'm reading it's all right it's uh you know it's it's again being a non-fiction writer or a non-fiction reader um i i just like seeing how people just the, the connections to um oh it talks about the uh you know the the it's not about the hero's journey or anything like that it, it talks about the oh let me see here um part one is uh philosophical messages of star wars part two da, 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 is um try not do or do no do not ethics in a galaxy far far away uh, part three is don't call me a mindless philosopher. It's alien technologies and the metaphysics of the force. And then the last section is there's always a bigger fish, truth, faith, and a, a galactic society. So again, it was, uh, you know, just, just the influences, you know, that went into, you know, or that people are reading into star Wars, I suppose, or that went into creating star Wars. So yeah, that's a, it was a good book. You you briefly mentioned uh, Hero's Journey, uh, Hero with a Thousand Faces. Yes, I uh, have that. I mean, that's that's I I almost feel like that's 
required reading for anybody that's uh, into Star Wars and like really interested in Star Wars because it it really breaks down these 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 myths and these archetypes that we see in our own world and our uh, societies um, throughout the world and 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 how they all sort of tie in with one another and you can just as you read this, you can just sort of see like this playbook unfold for George and in what he would eventually do with with Star Wars. Um, I also really like the new Thrawn books. We didn't mention those. Um, I know that we, we asked earlier if the Thrawn of the Heir to the Empire trilogy is similar to the Thrawn that we see in Rebels. I can con absolutely confirm that the Thrawn of Rebels is very similar to the Thrawn of the new books. Um, and those are Zon books. So I would, I would assume um, Michelle, if, if, and when you watch Rebels, you'll um, hopefully enjoy Thrawn in Rebels. Um, but we also go ahead. I totally expected one of you guys to pull in Michael Stackpole's X-Wing series. That should have been me. Yeah, I came this close to adding it because that was, I got, those were just fun. Those were just fun. Uh, there wasn't, uh, you know, because they were geared more towards young adults. It was more about the adventure, pilots. It's, it's just as a blast. And, you know, it's kind of it's kind of what makes me excited for the Rogue Squadron movie coming out a couple of years from now. Oh yeah. But by the way, we keep we keep begging uh, Michelle to watch Rebels. I'm pretty I sure when she's, she starts watching it, she'll watch it within a weekend. <laughs> totally she's, she's, probably, she's probably going to be like me now because like the the teacher who said yeah, I didn't want I think it, maybe I've said it on the podcast before I didn't see The Hangover for like about six years because we had a teacher who said it was the funniest movie since animal house. And I was like, <laughs> no, I cannot get behind that kind of hyperbole. So that's why I, I, I try to undersell things because I just, I mean, it made me, you know, it just made me not want to see that movie because he said it was the funniest movie since animal house. Anyway, <laughs> I laughed when I watched the hangover, but it's not the funniest movie since animal house. But uh, Michelle, I don't think, you know, it, w it would be interesting to hear her point of view because I think she's probably a lot more vested in Thrawn than uh, probably uh, the rest of us. I mean, uh, I'm totally, I'm totally going to, I can't remember why I didn't watch it when it was coming out of the time. I think it was a mix of having young children that drove me insane and just not like as soon as they go to bed, all I wanted to do was just go to bed. Like I didn't want to watch well, you, anything. I just wanted to go to bed. And you know, Rook is in it too. Mm-hmm. Oh. And voiced by Warwick Davis. Oh. Yep. So you know the thing about that series? I think it was on Disney XD when it came out. Yes. So it was like this is this random friggin' channel that not everybody had too. So it, I think that was part of the reason that a lot of people might have missed it. And they moved it like like most cable stuff, unless it's latched onto like Sunday night or something. It gets moved around according yeah. to whatever the programming is. Now, now that it's on uh, Disney Plus, you can just you can catch what? everything, and you, you everything can is on, everything is on my watch list currently. So, mm -hmm. 
I never read any, I didn't get to too many of the old Republic books, but I did collect the comic books. So mm -hmm. I followed some of the storylines out of the comic books, if not the novels. So I'm, I'm interested in seeing these old high Republic, like old Republic and then the high Republic um, stories I'm interested in seeing. There was, by the way, Michelle, it's funny. There's a line in Rebels in one of the seasons that Ahsoka says, she says, there's a lot of truth to legends. It was this, it was this line <laughs> that was put in there. I mean, you know, of course, Disney caught a lot of grief and you know, deserved, deservedly so when they take all these books and say, yep, none of this is canon. We're going to call it legends. And they kind of, you know, put it on a shelf, like on the, on the, you know, redheaded stepchild, you know, shelf type of a thing. And then for Filoni to, and they start pulling different aspects of these legends books. They've made it into either the clone wars or rebels. Um, and, and, uh, but to hear that line from, uh, from Ahsoka saying there's a lot of truth to legends was a wink from Filoni to those fans that, yeah, we're, don't worry. We're, you know, we do value those stories. I thought that was kind of cool. Did you guys um, catch I, that? I, I just, I, it's always fun to see the characters pop up, and I hope that they keep continue to pull. So uh, maybe we can close uh, with uh, going through reader or listener submissions. Um, we got a lot of ideas from folks on Twitter about what their favorite books were. I thought, it, you know, I love getting that kind of participation. So I wanted to just kind of run through these and audience participation at first ever. <laughs> and, you know, where y'all are inspired, feel free to, you know, jump in uh, or wait to the end and jump in that at that point. Um, so stuff that we haven't mentioned yet, uh, dark disciple uh, Lords of the Sith, uh, the Tarkin novel, the Darth Plagueis novel, um, more Claudia Gray with uh, Bloodline and Lost Stars, um, the Rogue Squadron series, Alphabet Squadron, Inferno Squad, Rogue Planet, um, and the Legends of Luke Skywalker. So I don't know if you guys have any reaction to any of that. I'm going to poop on Dark Disciple. <laughs> I, I, Quinlan Vos was created in the comic book series, um, the, like the Old Republic comic book series. He basically, they saw, somebody saw him in the background of, I think it was Phantom Menace, and they said, we're going to create a comic book series around that guy. And they made him into a Jedi and he's just this fantastic, he's my favorite Jedi. He's, a, and, he's in a clone, in an episode, a couple episodes of Clone Wars. He's in yeah. a couple of episodes of Clone Wars. And, but he was one of the major characters in the comic books, in the Old Republic comic books. Um, you know, he goes undercover, he's trying to get uh, Dooku. And, I mean, he was just a, a great Jedi. And I, I guess they revamped him for this Dark Disciple book. And I just completely didn't recognize him. And this um, partnership that he's had with Asajj Ventress, it, it, this was something, it, it, it came after they, they jettisoned Legends. And I just, it, I, it 
didn't read true to me for everything that I had seen from his character and what they had created for him. I mean, and I was super excited to see him come into the new stories, but I was very disappointed with the book. Sorry to poop on somebody's love. <laughs> you know, well, that's, I'm sorry, that's just really, it kind of gets into what I was saying about the, the aftermath series where when you said it doesn't read like Quinlan Voss, um, you know, like I said, Han Solo in in the Aftermath series doesn't sound like Han Solo, you know, and it's, you really, you know, I, it'd be interesting to, I guess it's one thing if it's, if it's a character that has pretty much just been in print or, um, um, or, you know, I guess there are a couple episodes of Clone Wars, like I said, that you have maybe a little bit more wiggle room to, or you feel as an author, you have a little bit more wiggle room to put in your own interpretation. But when it's something like, uh, that's why I'm always nervous to read anything that involves Han Solo because Harrison Ford has, I mean, if you don't have that cadence and the, you know, that Lawrence Kasdan vocabulary, it's, it's just going to be, or, you know, it's just not going to read true to Han Solo. No, so. it won't. Lucy agrees. Dave, you were going to say something? Uh, I was um, I was just going to pimp Claudia Gray a little bit more. She wrote the number one thing on my list. Um, Bloodline is great, too. I mean, it's it's really entertaining. And um, obviously, it's part of the new canon, and uh, it provides um, backstory um, for Princess Leia and why... Um, why she, why she, wouldn't she be, uh, you know, the new chancellor essentially, um, and all of the um, the specifics that go into all of that story are are kind of interesting and fun to read, and of course, Lost Stars I think is very well regarded by so many people. Yeah, like I said, the only one, other one I can comment I mentioned earlier is the Tarkin novel is again one that was tough for. It was it was kind of interesting, but um, it's just it, it was kind of a slog for me. I don't know why it was. I don't know. Uh, the other one, well, not on that list, but I'll mention also, which we haven't so far as the first, well, kind of mentioned from a certain point of view. Uh, right now, reading the. Uh, Trying to finish the one for uh, Empire Strikes Back. It's it's such a novel idea, kind of like you guys were saying, like Tales from the Cantina or Tales from Java's Palace. But it's kind of like an expansion of that idea, of not just putting you in the in a shoes of a, a character, but it's putting you in a moment uh, of a movie that you know so well, but giving it to you from a different angle, so you can assess what you know how you feel about stuff. You know, we're looking at it from somebody else's eyes. Just really, I love the idea. I love the concept. Uh, I'm sure we'll get one for Return of the Jedi in about two more years. Yeah, but it all started with Tales of the Can- Moss Eisley Cantina and Tales from Jabba's Palace. Mm-hmm. So remember, that's just like we said at the beginning of this. So, <laughs> um, um, yeah, here we're talking. So, Michelle, um, anything that's on your MVP that wasn't uh, mentioned? No, I, I think I mentioned the ones that I love. I'm going to throw a tag in for a comic book that I really love. Um, which is kind of like a certain point of view, but it's called Tag and Bink Are Dead. And Tag and Bink are two stormtroopers who kind of, the comic book takes 
follows them through, you know, the first uh, episode four, episode five and episode six and these little bumbling adventures that they have trying to survive as stormtroopers. And they're, it's absolutely hilarious. It's by Kevin Rubio. It's, it's, they're so funny. And if you make your way over to the comic book side of things and, and, and the legends canon, Tag and Bink are dead. Books one and two are hilarious. And I think that they made, someone said that they sort of brought Tag and Bink into the new movies. They, they're not named, but it's allegedly their characters were in the new movies. Okay, so you said it was written by uh, Kevin, it's a, it's a Kevin comic Rubio? Book by Kevin Rubio. It's yeah. called Tag and Bink are okay, dead. Okay, so, okay, so he, yeah, I thought that that's the dude who did Troops. The, the, the the short film the, the, troops the about you know cops meets stormtroopers meets oh, yeah, cops. yeah 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 oh my god that's hilarious yeah oh, that's cool it's a really fun comic book as they sort of as things happen in episode four they're sort of there in the background and you watch it from their point of view cool cool well, all right anything else for the good of the order guys any any other ones at I suppose to anybody else that's listening, if, if there's anything that you, we didn't mention or that the, the reader uh, uh, provided list that Dave read wasn't mentioned that you think, you know, should be uh, talked about, hit us up on Twitter, hit us up on Facebook, let us know what your favorite um, Star Wars literature is. Obviously it doesn't have to be, you know, a novel. Like I said, we dove into some, some of the other, uh, things as well, at least I did. Uh, but uh, yeah, let us know what your favorite Star Wars reading is. Um, as always, you can find us on about anywhere you get a podcast. So tell your friends if they're want, looking for a Star Wars podcast. Um, and uh, But until then, everybody stay safe. Um, the Super Bowl is this Sunday and none of us care. Um, and uh, I, I I had somebody ask me today and I said, well, if you had to ask, if I had to pick chiefs, but, uh, I really don't care. Um, but otherwise, uh, we, so in, in, uh, in spite of all that, we'll say who dat. Who dat? Yeah. And, uh, um, y'all have stay safe, wear your mask and have a good, good week. My monkey.